0: and turn to luke chapter twenty two luke chapter twenty two as I pray in the services and I'll just i'm not I'm not in a rut in evangelism it's not like okay on Monday night I do this, Tuesday night we sing this, Wednesday night I I, I seek to be sensitive to the Lord as to what He desires, and and I'm not in a rut in evangelism, and and I've been praying for this service tonight, and uh, and this text that we're going to go to is not really the message, we're going to get to another text in a little bit, but uh, we see here in Luke chapter 22, and and I've just been wrestling with this to to bring this out to you tonight, uh, but it says in verse 31 of Luke chapter 22, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon... Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, and that just strikes a, a fear in me. You know that you know the devil wants to destroy. That's John 10:10. The thief coming out for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says I'm coming that they might have life, they might have it more abundantly. The devil is after you. The devil's after me. The devil's after Peter. I remember my youth pastor told me. When I was going off to Bible college, I said, he was my, he was my mentor, and I said, uh, Brother Maxwell, is there any other advice that you have for me before I leave? And he says, yes, Tim. He says, Satan is in no hurry to get you. He said, he can get you now while you're young, you haven't been used much of God, or he could wait. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I didn't really want to hear that, but uh, until you've been used much of God and when the fall happens or whatever gets that uh, that advantage in your life, uh, that it will do more damage to the cause of Christ. It's very sobering, and we're called to be sober, be vigilant, because our adversary uh, walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, And so he says, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But then the Lord says this to Peter, Behold, I have prayed for thee. Well, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that though you know, uh, the devil is much greater foe than I could face in my own, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. He says, but, uh, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Um, I'm, I'm very conscious of the time, and I would like to take a few moments now to pray. And last night we went on the sin of unbelief and how that uh, it is the root of all sin. And all of us uh, deal with that matter of faith. And yet without faith, it's impossible to please God. Where do you need your faith strengthened? And uh, what i like to do is... Uh, is uh, if we could all just stand right now, and I want you to find somebody in this auditorium, a uh, man with a man, woman with a woman, and let's pray for each other's faith, that it would be strengthened. So just go find somebody that you can pray with and uh, and pray that our faith will be strengthened. We won't take a ton of time with this, but let's find somebody that we can pray that their faith would be strengthened. You start and pray for my faith. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for giving us the opportunity to come together Lord, to pray. Father, I pray that you will strengthen him, faith and that you will bless this ministry, Lord. And I pray that you will just encourage him, Lord, and give him wisdom to with his messages, Lord. Just help him to grow in his faith, Father. I mm-hmm. trust in you, Lord. Father, I thank you for all the work that you're doing in his heart. I I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen his faith. Thank you. Father I thank you for the example <clears throat> that the Lord set in praying for Peter's faith and Lord though he did deny thee these those three times yet Lord you did strengthen his faith there at Pentecost and used him in a powerful way and Lord I pray that you would strengthen our faith Lord I ask that you would Uh, strengthen us where we are too weak, that you would weaken us where we are too strong, that you would give us that confident dependence upon you. Lord, that we would walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, that we would see you uh, move mountains in our own lives. And uh, Lord, that you would prove yourself to us as Malachi talks about. And uh, Lord, may you strengthen our faith. I pray that, uh, Lord, you would increase our faith. Lord, thank you Uh, Again, for your word, thank you for this example. And Lord, thank you for this uh, time that we've had just briefly here in prayer. And Lord, we pray for this rest of this service tonight. Lord, of the message, I pray that you would open up our hearts here tonight, that you would, uh, if there's any coldness, any callousness, that you'd rip that callousness off and give us hearts of tenderness. And once again, I pray that you would meet with us, that you would speak in a specific way to each of us. Lord, draw us nearer to you by us being here tonight. Lord, please get the glory that is due to your name. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm thankful for how God has used uh, women in my life. I'm thankful for a godly grandmother. A godly mother, I liken myself, I guess, the Timothy in the Bible who had a godly mother, a godly grandmother, and both grandmothers uh, that I have uh, just uh, faithful and serving the Lord, ones in heaven now. But, but uh, my mom is a godly woman as well, and I'm thankful for her prayers as uh, she's praying for us tonight and been praying for the meeting and things. And, and if there's anybody that uh, is behind you that you know, thinks you can do something, it's your mom. Uh, if there's anybody that has confidence in you, it's your mom except for my mom when I went to Bible college. Uh, My mom, I remember when I graduated uh, at Ambassador Baptist College, we were hugging, and she was crying, and she says, Tim, I didn't think you would ever graduate Bible college. And uh, and I'm like, thanks for the confidence, mom, you know. But uh, truth be told, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it through it either. Uh, I was on the uh, six-year family plan. It took me six years to get my four-year degree, and there was uh, no class in Ambassador that I thought was a wasted class. Some classes, I love them so much, I took them twice. I failed them. Uh, and so one of those was Greek. And I had to stay another year for that. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm thankful for uh, my mother. I'm thankful for godly women. And we find here in 1 Samuel chapter 1 a godly woman by the name of Hannah. We pick it up in verse number 1. We'll read down to verse number 20. Now, there was a certain man of uh, Ramath Zopham, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jerome, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, and Ephratite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah had offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? I read that, and I think, that is such a male statement. Uh, You know, you've got me. Uh, You know, I'm better than ten sons. I mean, what else do you want? I'm here. (laughs) And uh, such a male statement, but anyhow, we continue on. Verse number nine, so Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul. Have you ever been there? And prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, And there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah spake in her heart, only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink but have poured out my soul before the Lord. When's the last time you've done that? Where you just poured out your soul to the Lord. You know, there's times I don't feel like praying. There's times my heart is cold and calloused. Times I've got sin in my life, and you know what the devil wants me to do is to stay away from prayer. He wants to oppose me in that matter of prayer. That's the time you need to get to the Lord. You know, just tell him, God, my heart's cold right now. My heart's hard. God, I've got sin in my heart, and I want to hold on to that sin. I mean, I've told him that God, I, you know, help me to see this sin through Your eyes. Give me a hatred for this sin, and and uh, you know, just just pour it out. Uh, he knows everything about you anyway. <laughs> You're not going to surprise Him with anything that you tell Him. And so just pour your heart out unto Him. Just lay it all out. <laughs> Here I am, Lord. It's, here's everything, uh, good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, and so she pours out her soul to the Lord. And then it says in verse 16, Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. Out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. And then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. It's interesting to note, he didn't even know what the petition was. He didn't know what Hannah's praying for, but he says God's going to answer that. God's going to provide that for you. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. I'm thankful for godly women. You think of women that were connected uh, with the ministry of Christ. You know, it was not a group of women that bickered about who would be the greatest. It was not a group of women that scattered from the Garden of Gethsemane. It was not a woman that denied Jesus or betrayed Jesus. All we find is loyalty, yes, loyalty, loyalty to Christ. It was not the man that ministered to Jesus out of their substance. It was not a man that broke an alabaster box of precious ointment to anoint Jesus before his burial. It was not a man that washed Jesus' feet with his hair, or wiped his feet with his, with his, hair, uh, uh, with his tears. It was not a group of men by the way of the cross uh, that wept for Christ. It was not a group of men save one that stood at the foot of the cross fearlessly and faithfully. It was not a group of men that came first to the tomb. Oh, we find that uh, this, that women throughout the uh, ministry of Christ, they have such loyalty to Him. And throughout Scripture, we find different women, such as Esther, uh, who took a bold stand uh, for the cause of, of God, and, and uh, you know, had that such as time as this moment, who stood against that wickedness. And of course, Mary, who was entrusted with the birth of the Savior uh, of the world. Uh, and it was a woman that first appeared at the tomb after the resurrection. And so one of the greatest ways I have seen God use women is in their prayer life. And tonight, I want to speak on a mother's prayer life. A mother's prayer life. Here is Hannah. She didn't just have a prayer list. She had a prayer life. Because of the greatness of our needs, only God can truly meet them. You know, Hannah, she was a woman of prayer. And it's good to have a prayer list, by the way. David Gibbs, the Christian Law Association, said, I don't know of anybody that has a strong prayer life that doesn't have a strong prayer list. So it's good to have a prayer list. You don't need to be slave to it and things but and get in a rut with that. But uh, uh, it's better to have a prayer life. Uh, you can endure a lot if you walk with God. You can endure a lot if you have a strong prayer life. Luke 18.1 says, he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Well, that answers two questions about prayer. When should we pray? Always. We should always be in a spirit of prayer. That means you can pray while you're at work, while you're uh, with uh, co-workers that are giving you a hard time, or customers, whatever it might be. You can be in a spirit of prayer. We're to pray always. And then why do we pray? So we don't faint. So we don't quit. So we don't give up. There's so many people that are fainting. And the reason why is because they're not in prayer. They're they're trusting in their own strength. They're not trusting in God's. And so uh, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Uh, We should pray so we don't quit. We don't get get discouraged and and faint. And so we find here this this, uh, woman, Hannah, who has a strong prayer life. And we look, number one, we see that she has an adversary. Uh, It says there in verse number six, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Now, the situation was obvious. She's not able to bear children. And this, uh, this woman, Peninnah, the other wife, uh, became such a, uh, an adversary to her. She made the whole situation so much worse uh, because of her response. Do you have an adversary? Maybe when something happens in your life, maybe you get kicked down, they just come back down to to try to kick you some more. Uh, You get a wound, they try to put salt on that wound to make it worse. Uh, Maybe you have someone in your family, maybe it's somebody at work or a friend that that you have that just, when you're discouraged, they seem to be there to discourage you even more. Here's Hannah, she's got this adversary. Uh, Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Oh, how powerful our words are. We all do have an adversary. Even if you can't think of someone specifically, uh, we have the adversary of the devil. And I see uh, Hannah's life illustrated in, in with First uh, Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Oh, well, Job knew about this adversary. Satan, as he is walking about the earth, uh, and uh, he says in uh, Job 1.7, The Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, from walking up and down in it. And he became a great adversary to Job. But even Job's friends, he called them your miserable comforters. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, his friends weren't encouraging. And uh, and you can have this this uh, adversary that uh, that uh, uh, just seeks to discourage you and seeks to get you down uh, even more. And I remind you as we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I remind you that wrestling is a one-on-one contact sport. The devil's after you. The devil's after me. I'm thankful the Lord is behind us that he's prayed for us. I'm thankful again that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. So we have this adversary. Hannah has an adversary, but notice number two, her affliction. Verse number, uh, verse number nine says so, uh, or verse number ten says, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed into the Lord and wept sore, in the, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, she has this great affliction, and this makes her go to her knees, that she's going to go into prayer. So often we do not pray because we don't see the need of God, we don't see our need of Him. You see. Prayer is the language of the helpless. Prayer is the language of the helpless. We don't have a strong prayer life because we don't see our need of God. And she she has this affliction. And, uh, and people miss out on tremendous blessings because they don't pray. And this affliction is causing her to get to prayer. You know what an affliction is? Affliction is a call to prayer. An adversary is a call to prayer. A fear is a call to prayer. A misunderstanding. She's going to be misunderstood by Eli. Have you ever been misunderstood? Sure. We all have. I've had people misunderstand me, especially with my call, being an evangelist and things, but God never misunderstands you. A misunderstanding is a call to prayer. Uh, He says in Psalm 139, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. God understands you. He knows right what you're going through. Others may not know anything that you're going through, but God does. God knows right where you're at. God knows everything that you face. And so often we are quick to tell others but slow to tell God. We, don't, uh, we, we tell everybody else about our problems, but we haven't even told the Lord yet. He needs to be one of the first ones we go to. Go to him with that, that, uh, that affliction. Go with him with that adversary. Talk to the Lord about those things. Uh, pour your heart unto him. Hannah's has this affliction and is driving her closer to God. Uh, people will fail. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll get to it this week, so I'm thinking about it right now. You know, you, you get close enough to me, at some point I'm going to fail you. You're going to see inconsistencies in my life. But the same thing is with, with you. I get close enough to you, at some point you're going to fail me. But you can get intensely close to God and his character is the same. He does not fail. He does not forsake. Trust in him at all times, ye people. When when is it time to trust God? All times. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. That's Psalm 62 and verse number 8. You see, sometimes the, the affliction is too deep for just anyone to minister unto you. You have to get to God. Some time ago, we were invited to preach at a church, and and, uh, this church was uh, a larger church for us, and and it was uh, probably, it is the quickest meeting I've ever had. The pastor contacted me in April, and he says, do you have the first week of May open? I said, yes, I do. He says, I want to schedule a prayer revival. And I'm like, okay. You know, we're four weeks, three, four weeks out. And he says, I want to schedule a prayer revival. And he says, I don't want you to come to church Sunday morning. He says, we're going to start at Sunday night, and we'll go through Wednesday night. I said, okay. Now I had uh, I had been to that church many many years before. I've never preached there. There are uh, two uh, families in that church that I know, but other than that, nobody knows me. I don't know them, and so I'm kind of watching uh, the, some of their uh, past live streams to see how they're promoting the meeting. And it just says prayer revival and the times. It doesn't have our picture up there or you know uh, you know the name of anything like that. And I'm fine with that. I'm shy and quiet by you know by nature, so I don't care about publicity and all of that. So, uh, But we get to, uh, I was watching the, the service that morning, uh, the, the replay of that, and the pastor said, we're going to have a special prayer time before the service at five o'clock. And so, you know, if you can, guys will pray and the lemon will pray in another room. And I said, Megan, let's get to that prayer time. So we uh, drove to the church and we get there, you know, an hour early for that prayer time. There's an older gentleman getting out of his car and, and he comes up and introduces himself. His, his name is John. And He said, uh, have you ever been here before? And I said, yes, it's been many years ago. He says, I'm so glad you're here tonight. We've got a special preacher coming. Uh, We're going to have this prayer revival. As a matter of fact, we're going to be praying uh, here in just a few minutes. And and if you like, you can pray with us. I said, yeah, I would like to pray with you guys. And and, uh, afterwards... He was, uh, he says, I'm so embarrassed after the service that night. He says, I didn't know you were the preacher that night, you know, tonight. And, and I said, that's, that's, that's fine, John. I said, you were so gracious to us. You made us feel so warm and welcome. You did a fantastic job, even though you didn't know who we were. And, and uh, so I, was, I just, I was encouraged by him, but, but I got up that night. Well, the, the church, uh, uh, the church is just, I mean, God's just really working at that place, uh, in some unusual ways. And, and, uh, uh, there's so much I can tell you about this. But um, uh, that Sunday night, uh, the, the pastor is very uh, methodical. He's very detailed. You know, he's uh, structured. Uh, you start, you know, on time. You finish on time. You got these certain things. And he's got his cue card. And, and he says, now, I have know that we've never done this before, but he says, tonight, we're going to have a time of prayer in the service. He says, we're going to gather at the altar, and we're going to ask God to work in our midst tonight. And, and he doesn't even introduce me yet. And he says, and at the end of this time of prayer, I want Brother Schmidt to come and close in prayer. And, and so I do that. And, and, uh, and even when we first got there to the service, uh, you know, the congregational singing, now the place is packed. And there, it's loud you know, because of all the people. But there was an element of singing that it wasn't just loud singing. There was a vibrancy there. There seemed to be a spirit anointedness in that singing. And I told Megan, I said, this is revival type singing. And uh, the pastor says, you know what? I'm going to throw out the cue card. He says, we've got to get to the preaching. And so uh, he changed it all up. And, and uh, I got up and I preached. Now, sometimes when I'm preaching, I'm just trying to drive the car, stay on the road, focus on what the Lord wants. I don't know what God's doing. I really don't. I'm just trying to be obedient to the Lord is what he wants. And, and so I'm preaching up, uh, that night, and, and I get done, and, and uh, you know, go off the, the platform and things, and the pastor gets up, and he says, this is single-handedly the best service that we've ever had since I've been the pastor here. He says, this was a powerful service. And, and I thought, wow, that's Wonderful. But that was the very first night, and I said, "Lord, please have it not go downhill." All you know since then, and uh, so I was praying for that. But uh, uh, the next night, um, I got up and I preached, and and it just I knew the message was going to be a little bit longer. And but uh, the Lord's like telling me, "Okay, now Tim, go here. Now go here. Now to this. Now to this." And as I'm preaching, I'm also praying. I'm seeking the Lord. I'm like, "Lord, what do I cut out? Because this message is going to get longer and longer and longer." And the Lord's not telling me to cut out anything. And, and I preached for over an hour that night, which is uh, about what I'm going to do tonight. I'm just kidding. Uh, and, you know, I preached for over an hour, and I got done. Once when I got done, I'm walking off the platform, and I'm like, I blew it. I blew it. I went too long. I get to my wife. Now, she's heard me preach before. And, I, and uh, the, the pastor, asked us to go walk to the back. And, and so we're kind of talking, you know, a little quietly. I said, I blew it tonight. She says, Tim, she says, there was nothing for you to take out of that message. He says, she says, God used it. And I'm standing in the back. They're doing the closing announcements. My pastor texts me. He says, I watched the service tonight. Powerful message on prayer and revival. And I text him back. I said, I blew it. I said, I went too long tonight. And he says, Tim, <clears throat> and, he, he, and he capitalized, there is nothing that you should have taken out of that message. And uh, then after that, uh, I see the pastor. And I said, oh, pastor, I'm sorry. I went too long tonight. And he says, Tim, it's fine. There was nothing to take out of it. And he's trying to comfort me. My pastor's trying to comfort me. Megan's trying to comfort me. I'm not being comforted. I go to bed that night. I'm bothered. The, when I wake up, first thing, I'm bothered about it. Like, and, you know, I blew it. I went too long. The church is busy. They got a Christian school and things. and and uh, and And it wasn't until I got alone with God and I spent an hour in worship, just getting my eyes on him. And it was then that God began to minister to me. And, uh, and he showed me that that uh, I had an adversary that was seeking to discourage me I was ob as best as I know I was obedient to him that night and what he wanted me to do and my fear needs to be of him not of others and uh, and so the Lord so ministered to me that after my time and devotions I was fine and I realized you know what we've got opposition and that night, uh, we had another prayer time, and, and about 15, 20 guys we had a, a, a came in. We were talking about, boy, today was so rough. It was just opposition. I'm like, okay, I see. I got it first, and that's where the Lord led in the preaching. But you know, my wife tried to comfort me. She couldn't do it. My pastor tried to comfort me. He couldn't do it. That other pastor tried to comfort me. He couldn't do it. Only God could have touched me right then. Only God could have comforted me right then. And there are times in your life where only God can truly meet those needs. You have got to get to God. Hannah's got to get to God. You see, uh, uh, her husband is not comforting her. Peninnah is not comforting her. She has got to get to God so that she can have uh, uh, the balm upon those hurts that she has in her life. And so there are many moments in our lives that only God can truly minister to us. Psalm, or Proverbs 14, verse 26. And the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. Isaiah 50, verse 10, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord, and stay upon his God. There are are hurts, there are things that only God can truly minister to you. So we see, number one, her adversary, number two, her affliction, but then notice, number three, her abandonment. It says there in verse number 11, she says, look on the affliction of thine handmaid in remember, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then will I give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. She surrenders this child to the Lord. Before she ever received the answer, she says, God, I'm giving him back to you. You give me this man-child, I'm going to give him right back to you. Wow. What faith. Surrender. She says, God, I'm surrendering my child to you. Have you ever surrendered your children to the Lord? I said, God, they're yours. When when I was born, my mom told me, she says, Tim, I prayed. I said, God, if it would please you, would you make my son into a preacher? Would you call him to preach? If it would please you. That was her desire. That, that uh, uh, me and my sister would go into ministry someday. My, pa- my sister's a pastor's wife in Atlanta, Georgia. That was her desire. And I see such a waning of those desires of parents that, that uh, wouldn't want their children to be in ministry. Oh, God is still calling. Uh, there is such a dearth uh, for people that, uh, I mean, that there's so many people that are retiring right now and, and, uh, and, and coming off the mission field. And there's not people that are replacing them. Is it that God has stopped calling or is it that we... Have stopped listening that we're not surrendered uh, i've talked to a couple of different uh, colleges and uh and they 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 tell me they said all of their students i mean there's so many churches looking they don't have enough students to send graduates to send to the churches that that need pastors that you know mission fields and so on uh, i think of an ambassador brother spencer said to me uh, tim there's not enough good men to fill the empty pulpits in america he says, Tim, there's not enough bad men <laughs> to fill the empty pulpits in America. And it's true. There's so many churches right now that are looking for preachers. And, and why is there why is there such a, a lack of it? Well, Luke chapter 10 and verse number two, therefore saith he, said he unto them, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Is that part of your prayer request? Is that on your prayer list? If you were to ask the Lord Jesus Christ, what can I pray for you about? Sometimes I'll do that. What's one burden I can pray for you about, Pastor? I'll ask different preachers or different, different people. And, and, uh, and then you could say, Lord, what's one prayer request you have? It's right there. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest. Sends forth labors into his harvest. I'm thankful that you've got to. Brandon Kilby, and I was praying for our church uh, several years ago. We were praying. I said, God, it's been a long time since we've seen anybody come out of our church and surrendered a full-time ministry. And there wasn't anybody in our church that I thought, oh yeah, this could be a person. And we just started praying, God, would you raise up somebody? And in came uh, Antonio Montano, who came to know Christ as Savior one night at our church and got discipled, and God called him to preach. And he's now uh, uh, there at Bible College as a sophomore. And it's just amazing. And I've I've told the Lord, I said, I'm not done with just Antonio. (laughs) God, I'm asking for more to come out of our church, Faith Baptist in North Highlands, I'm asking, I'm praying more in the last four or five years. God, would you and our ministry see more young people or other people surrender to the full-time ministry? God is calling, and we need to be surrendered to hear. Hannah, she surrenders her child to the Lord. She hasn't had the answer prayer yet, but say, God, I want to give him to you. Lord, I surrender him to you. Have you ever surrendered your children to the Lord? Say, Lord, do whatever you want to do with their life. Lord, I give them to you. May they serve you with their life. Uh, I was in Georgia with my brother-in-law, and I'd rented a car, and and we went somewhere, and he's, and it was a nice uh, rental car and things, brand new. I don't know if I was the first one or second one to drive that thing, and and, uh, my brother-in-law, Brian, he is just bragging over this car. He's like, Tim, this car is so nice. Oh, man, look at this feature, and look at this feature, and and he's just talking all about this, these different features on this car, And, and eventually I said, Brian, it's not my car. You know, I'm going to take it back to Atlanta here in a few days. You can brag on it all you want, but it's not mine. And, uh, and I was telling his wife, uh, Danielle, uh, about that. And I said, you know, it's borrowed. And really, anything we have in life is borrowed. Any gift that we have, I mean, I don't know when the last message I'm going to get to preach. I don't, you know, I've don't, know, i heard mean, preachers losing their voice, different things like that. To be able to sing, Megan, to be able to play the piano, do those different things. All those, that's, that's God <laughs> through us. At any moment, he could stop giving us those abilities. At any moment. My, and I was telling Danielle about that, uh, and they have seven children. And she just got a very sober look on her face. And she says, our children are borrowed. I said, that's right. They're borrowed. They're not not—they're not theirs. God's the one that's given them, trusted, trusted that to them. She says, I've got to have our children surrender. I'm like, yep. And uh, I believe God's going to call some of those uh, uh, those uh my nieces and nephews uh, uh, to the ministry. And so here Hannah, she surrenders. Before she ever received the answer, she gave it back to God. So we see her adversary, we see her affliction, her abandonment, but now look at her answer. We look there in verse 17 that Eli said, Hey, God's going to grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of them. Uh, and then, uh, uh, of him, and then verse number 20, it says, Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. God does give her a son. It's a miracle. An amazing answer to prayer. 1 John three twenty-two. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Years ago, there was a man by the name of Clint in uh, Burlington, North Carolina. And Clint had earned the reputation of being one of the meanest men in town. He was just a, a tough guy and didn't really want anything to do with God. And, and uh, some people thought that he was too far to be reached by the Lord. But the thing that Clint had going for him was this. He had a godly mother that was praying for him, Minnie Jones. Minnie Jones was so burdened for Clint that he would get saved. Every Wednesday night, she would ask prayer for her son and there were certain times he would show up on Mother's Day and, and Christmas. He would come, and, uh, and it would go, come to the service to, out of uh, respect and honor for his mother. And uh, there was uh, a time then that, uh, uh, that uh, Minnie Jones uh, got sick, and, and she passed away and did not get to see uh, Clint uh, come to a saving knowledge of Christ before she went to heaven. The church kept praying for him, and the very next Mother's Day in walks Clint. And they're like, what are you doing here? He says, I know my mom's not here, but I know that this is where she would want me. And I just want to honor her on this Mother's Day. There was a guest evangelist that day, and he preached the gospel message. And Clint was under so much conviction over his sin, his need for Jesus Christ, that uh, even before they, he was able to get to the conclusion and get to the invitation time, Clint just leaped out of his seat and came to the altar just broken and weeping. A couple other men came over to him, and at that moment, they led him to Christ. The whole church just erupted in joy and praise because uh, they had been praying for so long for Clint to get saved. And when Clint got saved, God did a 180 in his life. Over the next two weeks, over 20 of his friends came to know Christ as their Savior. They said, "If God can do that in Clint's life, I want what He has." And uh, and God really used uh, Clint to help stir up uh, the revival meeting that was going on, and that revival meeting that that uh, started that was going to be one week eventually turned into what became known as the burlington revival and uh would last three months you know here clint had a godly mother and a church that was praying for him to get saved are you someone here tonight that your mother's been praying for you that you know that that you're lost that you need jesus christ are you someone that someone's been praying for oh don't uh, uh put off the decision to come to know christ Uh, He says in Proverbs 27, Boast not thyself tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You are one heartbeat away from eternity. Just one heartbeat away. And eternity is too long to be wrong. And there's going to come a point in your life where it's going to be too late to make a decision for Christ. Uh, I was listening to a preacher and he was talking about Noah and uh, the ark. And here's Noah. He gets all of his family into the ark and and, uh, the door shuts and then the rain starts to come down. And the floods began to come up, and he says, I can just imagine people coming to that ark and pounding on the door saying, Noah, Noah, open the door. Noah, open the door. We're going to die out here, Noah. You've got to open the door. But Noah didn't shut the door. God did. Someday, it's going to be too late. Do you know him? Do you know if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven? Oh, I would, I would think that Minnie Jones does know that Clint got saved. Uh, she's gonna find him out, you know, sometime, uh, here in the future. But, uh, her prayers were not in vain. And I encourage you, you've got somebody that's lost. You've got a family member. You've got a son or a daughter. You keep praying for them. Don't you get quit. Don't you get discouraged about it. You keep on praying. I think of those that do know Christ as their Savior, but they're wayward. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're far away from God. I remind you of Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I think one of the greatest heartaches that a mother has is a lost uh, son or daughter, or a wayward son or daughter. Oh, pray for them. Uh, keep on praying for them. I was talking to a pastor uh, and uh, his—he had both of his children were wayward and, and uh, the Lord just put upon my heart that you need to pray for them. And, and so uh, the next time I saw him, I said, hey. I said, uh, how is Rod and Kim? And uh, he says, oh, he says, it's a miracle. He says, Rod has come back uh, to the Lord. But uh, he says, it's just amazing. But Kim, we're still praying for. I said, okay, got it. So I'm still praying for Kim. Uh, You know, keep on praying. Keep on seeking the Lord in that matter of prayer. And so we see that she got this answer, which was a tremendous answer to prayer. But then notice what God does in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And verse number 21, And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived, and look at this, and bare three sons and two daughters. She was asking for one. You know what God did? Exceeding, abundantly, above all that she asked or thought. That's what God did for her. And it's almost like just kind of an add-on. And the child Samuel drew before the Lord. You know, it's just amazing what God did in answering her prayer. So we see uh, uh, the result of her answer is adoration towards God. Look at chapter 2 and verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither... Is there any rock like our God? Exodus 15, 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Glo- who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful, and praises, <clears throat> doing wonders? After all that she went through with the adversary, with the affliction, what was God doing in the background? He was revealing more of himself to her. She says, he's my rock. He's my salvation. Uh, I can rejoice in him. He is holy. Uh, he was revealing more of himself to her. You know, we go through trials. We go through things in our lives. What is God seeking to do? He's seeking to reveal himself more to us, that he is our rock. He is the one that we can go to that is absolutely firm and stable. When everything else around us is crashing and changing, we have one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13 and verse 8. Perhaps he's heard of these things. Perhaps she knew of these things about God, but now she's experienced it. She sees it for herself, just like Job in Job 42, verse 5. It says, I have heard thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. A song that has gripped my heart with evangelism. And I think, uh, when I think about it, I remember when I reached 10 years in evangelism, I'm like, this is only God. (laughs) Only God could have put me in evangelism for 10 years. And uh, there's a song by the title of that, and I believe that Hannah would sing that song to the Lord as well, but here's the words to that song. Only God can move a mountain. Only God can calm the sea. Only God can heal a wounded spirit. Only God. Only God. Only God can hear my heart's cry. Only God, my sin, atone. Only God can give us calm assurance. Only God. Only God. The chorus goes, God Almighty. Most holy, wise God, you are the power and the glory, O God, our God. The next stanza Only God can be our refuge. Only God can be our strength. Only God will stand as our defender. Only God, only God. Only God is the power. Only God in majesty. Only God will reign as King forever. Only God, only God. God Almighty. Most holy, wise God, you are the power and the glory, O God, our God. Because of the greatness of our needs, only God can truly meet them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'll pray in a few moments. Do you have an affliction that you're bearing right now? Maybe you've got a hurt in your heart that you can't can't really share. People won't be able to understand. God will. God does. Oh run to him. You say, preacher, tonight I'm I'm dealing with an affliction. I'm maybe I'm dealing with an adversary. I've got this hurt in my life, and I need God to put balm upon that hurt. I want to get back to God. Preacher, would you please pray for me? If that's you, just slip your hand and I'll pray for you.